Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, I was joined by Karen at Notably PR. It was a great episode, and I always love talking about the power of marketing, about building brands, about great communication, and it was a brilliant opportunity to really dive deeper into the industry. Karen and I talked all about her business, notably what they do and the different ways they can help your brand. And we talked about Karen's long-standing career in PR, what's changed over the years, and what the future might bring when it comes to making your business stand out from the crowd. If you missed it, you really should go and look it up as there was a lot of valuable insight to be found. You can catch up over on letstalksupplychain.com forward slash podcast or anywhere that you subscribe to the show. And it was episode 221. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. Throughput.ai puts industrial material flow on autopilot by leveraging existing enterprise data. Throughput's AI software predicts demand, reorients production capacity, reassigns warehouse space, and reorders materials optimally more than five times faster than leading contemporary solutions. So businesses minimize over-promising and under-delivering. Sign up for a free demo to see Throughput in action. Visit throughput.ai. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. Have you checked out our new live shows? We are coming out with new live shows almost every single week. We've got Purpose Planet and Profit with Topple. We've got Log Tech Live with Eric Johnson, and we've got Coming In Hot with Abby Baird. Plus, I have my weekly show, Thoughts and Coffee. So head on over to Let's Talk Supply Chain LinkedIn page. Make sure to follow us, and you'll get notified when we go live with all of these amazing topics and live shows, and uh, I can't wait for you to check them out. So today, I'm joined by a company that offers APIs and tools to help businesses integrate quality ocean freight tracking data from almost any carrier in a single, easy-to-use structure. Any idea who it is? Well, I'll reveal it after the review of the week and the question of the week. So we got a review all the way from Saudi Arabia. Ahmed, I am so thankful to you for giving us a five-star review. And he says, one of the best supply chain podcasts out there. Thank you so much. And if you guys want to be featured, we definitely want to hear from you. We want to get some more reviews from you. So head over to Apple Podcasts and make sure to do that. So the question of the week was actually a poll. And we said, we asked, what does the abbreviation BOL or B slash L mean in a freight forwarding environment? We got 1,996 votes. We reached over 37,000 people. 89% of you said bill of lading, which is the correct answer. 7% said bill of landing, 4% said bill of loading, and 0% said boatload, but we got a ton of comments about that because you guys love that one as an option. Philip says, during my SCM studies, I learned it as bill of lading, usually heard bill of loading in practice 
Interesting. Laura, bill of lading always. Now the tricky part is draft, original BOL, Seaway bill, house bill, negotiable, non-negotiable to order, endorse, not endorse. Wow, Laura, that's amazing. Libby loved boatload. You had me cracking up. Simon says, imagine if Bollinger were to ship a celebratory bottle of champagne to the Denver Nuggets. Power forward, it would require a BOL of BOL for BOL, BOL. Interesting. We definitely had some curious reactions to that one. Seaham confirms it as well. It's bill of lading. Matt Morley says it's all the same thing, paperwork. John says so many people call it bill of landing. That is interesting. And Ryan says I'm disappointed that ball of lint wasn't an option here. Interesting. Sarah says bill of lading. Elizabeth, I must be clueless because I only know it as BOL bill of lading. And thank you guys all so much for joining us on our question of the week. We do ask that every single Wednesday morning across our social media. So now back to today's podcast and which exciting supply chain and logistics tech company is joining me today? Well, it's Vision. Founded in 2018, Vision provides the technology and data needed to build and deliver end-to-end logistics visibility for shippers, forwarders, and software developers. Combining simple APIs for tracking international ocean freight with a global web of carrier connections, the Vision platform provides you with the data you need to optimize the quality and cost of your visibility. Today, Kyle Henderson, CEO and co-founder at Vision, joins me to chat all about the company, what they do, how their real-time technology successfully pulls together shippers and forwarders, and the future of visibility. But before we dive in, let's find out a little bit more about Kyle. Mr. Henderson is a repeat entrepreneur and veteran of product management, development, and design. His latest venture, Vision, supports digital transformation in supply chain and logistics by providing web services and data streams that power door-to-door freight visibility solutions. Prior to founding Vision, Mr. Henderson participated in nine early-stage technology startups and held senior product management roles at companies such as Full Story, Clear Metal, Nokia, and Navtech. Mr. Henderson received his Bachelor of Arts in Philosophy and Political Science from Barry College in beautiful Rome, Georgia. So welcome to the show, Kyle. Thank you for having me, Sarah. I appreciate it. I am so excited to have you here. I mean, the listeners will know that I have a business in the maritime space and holy cow. I mean, there are just a lot of challenges, right? Like tracking, meeting the different needs of forwarders and shippers, costing. I mean, I could go on at the challenges. So I'm really excited to find out more about Vision and how you really are helping to build the future of digital logistics. So let's just dive in. And I'm really intrigued by your background. So before we chat all about Vision, I'd love to just take a moment to talk about your journey. Because Because as we heard in your bio, you're a serial entrepreneur and have been involved in nine tech startups, which is pretty impressive, yet you come from an arts background with a degree in philosophy. So talk to us about that. What drove your entrepreneurial spirit and how did you move through all of those brands to found Vision? Well, again, thank you for having me. I'm very appreciative of getting to to answer these questions and share some more information and 
Uh, the short answer is I inherited it. Okay. <laughs> my, my family is very entrepreneurial. Uh, we have, you know, the family has started multiple businesses throughout the years. Uh, even when I was a kid, I was, you know, right there working on the line, helping, helping ship things and get stuff done. Variety of industries as well. So uh, I think I probably got the, the entrepreneur bug from the family. But it was also a good education of uh, the only thing usually stopping you is yourself. Right. Because <laughs> if you don't have the knowledge on how to get a business going, well, somebody does. So you just got to write down all the things you want to know and then go find people who have the answers and put the two together at the end of the day. Right. So yep. it's just a, a willingness to know that in a, and let's say a, a level of self-confidence that you'll be able to figure it out if you have to. But um, with, and that's very startup oriented. Right. So. Uh, like you mentioned, I didn't really go to school to study software engineering or computer <laughs> science or anything like that. But um, I have to admit, symbolic logic and philosophy was not easy either, though. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, <laughs> but um, I had already actually started uh, working as a developer back when I was in high school, as, uh, working on several different projects. Started wow. coding when I was in kind of like late middle school. Uh, just self-taught was this thing called the internet came around and I was really interested in, well, these web pages are cool. I want to make one. So <laughs> it was like 1995. So I was like, let's figure out how to make one. And, you know, just started that way. And um, I had the, the wonderful, wonderful uh, opportunity that the, the small liberal arts college I went to that I got a degree in philosophy at uh, also had an amazing program around information technology where I actually worked for the school all four years and it was oh, developing awesome. web applications that the school was going to use or sell. So it was kind of like a small startup experience and um, got to work with lots of other great folks who were doing the same thing. And then uh, kind of one startup led to another. Like uh, I, I wasn't even expecting my first startup. I had uh, I had gotten a job working in Beijing and um, I met some, some fellows that had just come out of Columbia University and it was 2005 and we we're going to do a C to C business, which is copy to China. And we we're going to copy Facebook. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there was a, so a social networking startup, which then led me uh, later to going into geospatial intelligence and mapping when I was in the Washington DC area, did um, two different mapping technology companies, wow. uh, had also worked in e-commerce and healthcare, had done a consumer market research startup, uh, I worked at uh, a supply chain software startup as well. And okay. the funny thing is, is so I, I really kind of doubled down on understanding analytics and data as the, the principal elements in each of these companies. So what, from my perspective was as well, let's take what I learned in this industry about building the really game-changing kind of dashboard and, de and data intelligence. Mm -hmm. And let's go take that stuff to this industry who hasn't done it yet. And so in some sense, it's like we've been, you no, know, the technology has changed a little bit, but the fundamental problems have kind of been the same again and again and again. And it's just saying, okay, what industry needs it now? Okay, we can learn the industry because we've already learned the technology side. So let's, let's go find these new problems. 
that. Did I answer your question? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you absolutely did. And I think, you know, you really got to the heart of entrepreneurship and the passion behind startups is that you're finding a problem and you're utilizing the tools and the things that you've done in your life to prepare you um, to really, you know, execute. Yeah on solving that problem, which I love. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to start with your story, because I think a lot of people, you know, think about they've got one business and they've got to put everything into that startup, but you've been able to show that you can go from different industries and you can take what you've learned from one industry into another and really make a difference that way as well. And so it's really fun to be able to tap into journeys like that and just really show people what is possible. But we are also here to talk about Vision, which is your current startup. And so why don't you tell us about Vision? What does it do and how do you help your customers? So we work with different cargo owners. We also work with different logistics service providers, like Think of Freight Forwarder, Customs Broker, um, 3PLs, 4PLs. And then we also work with software companies who are creating software for this industry. Okay. one of our recognitions in, in starting wanting to start Vision was a simple hypothesis that all companies in the future will be software companies, mm-hmm. and therefore they're going to need support to build great software. Right. And with that mindset, uh, you know, we had had the opportunity of being able to to try and deliver some amazing supply chain management, visibility control towers, and and deliver them for some of the largest customers in the world, but what we were doing in trying to build those products is we were encountering again and again issues with the data foundation across the international logistics industry, right? Yeah. And not just issues in the sense that, you know, things were, it was tough to get data, <laughs> but also if you could get data that it wasn't really coming through pipes that any modern technology systems would utilize anymore. So okay. it was a little aged in terms of the piping behind the scenes. And then even uh, the data itself, once you did get some of it, it was kind of woefully incomplete and fragmented, which makes a lot of sense because a supply chain by itself, by design, is fragmented. Each link is a fragment. So there's Mm -hmm. kind of a natural, almost like siloing effect that uh, has happened over the the decades with data in this space. So we vision, we work with, again, those logistics companies, software companies, cargo owners. We really help them build out the foundation for their next generation software. And our first offerings really focused around containerized freight and only making two promises. You're going to get instant and full access to being able to track all containers globally. And you will have the most complete and in-depth data set currently available. So all we do is spend all of our all of our resources on fulfilling those two promises, and it's delivered through a modern pipe called an API, which is specifically architected to allow all of your current and future systems that are in the cloud to be able to communicate and work with each other in real time as if they're one large Uber system. Hmm. And so this this thinking of we're taking what we've learned to allow companies to really scale and grow in other industries, we're trying to now bring to this industry because we saw that they hadn't done it yet. 
And so here at Vision, we just try to make it really easy to build the best software possible. And did you come up across uh, Excel a lot in that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. So, I mean, we, we know like, you know, like the 80-20 rules, right? It's like, mm-hmm. let's say uh, people need to track container shipments, right? Yeah. If you apply the 80-20 rule, the 80% of it is people sending around spreadsheets and emails yeah. between all those different chains, between all those different links in the chains for all those shipments. That's that's the real reality. That's actually the status quo right now. There right. are some kind of uh, leaders. If you think about it, they're kind of like the classical leaders and laggards comparison. There are yeah. some leaders who have done a good job in either building software that's like pretty good control tower software or adapting adapting or adopting software that but that's more like the 20% situation and if you look at what they can do in terms of software combined with operations combined with the margins of their business they're still kind of behind the times of what's been accomplished in other industries so i think across the board there is lots of headroom for improvement but that also yeah. what is makes right now so exciting because we have a combination of so much opportunity for improvement and so much need to improve immediately with all of the outside pressures like whether it's like we don't deal so much on the capacity side and all that we deal more like when things are moving where are they when are they gonna arrive like most of our most of our customers say they love working with us because we help them accomplish one simple thing our customers know before their customers ask like that's like the fundamental thing we do is help our customers know before their customers ask. Nice. And that is really, really important, number one. And number two is keeping it simple. I mean, that is super important when we're talking about technology and helping um, customers. But it's funny that you say that we're still behind because I feel like I've been talking about data and cleaning up that data and make sure that you have a good data foundation. Yeah. For a very, very long time. So the fact that you're still running up against the you know, Excel spreadsheets and that it's not classified properly and that there's still gaps and things like that, you know, really kind of worries me for customers because as we move into the future and things are moving way faster now than they even were, you know, three to six months ago. Yeah. And that's going to be a huge deal and a huge um, breaking point. Yep. whether you success or you have success or you fail. But before we go any further, you mentioned APIs, but a lot of times in this industry, we talk about EDIs still. Yeah. So can you explain just the difference between APIs and EDIs? If I'm in the audience sort of thinking about this and hearing you talk about APIs, but knowing that we're still in EDI potentially. Yeah. Let me, let me see if I can come up with a good analogy here. Um, okay. We like analogies. <laughs> because because in some sense like if we're doing like the apples and oranges comparison like i in my mind when i think about edi and api they're they're tough to talk about together because they're so different mm-hmm. but for this conversation let's say we know they're both fruit <laughs> like they both get the data you need from some place to the place you need it now but they do it in very different ways which have massive knock-on effects so EDI is more kind of like sending mail, right? Okay. It's like uh, each day I write my letters because I'm like the ocean carrier or I'm the terminal. I'm someone generating EDI messages, right? I write my letters. So those are the EDI messages. I pack them all together. I put them all in the mailbox at one time. 
That's that's the batch of EDI messages I'm going to send. Then some provider of some sort or partner, come, no, the mailman comes and picks them up out of my box, which might be like back in the day in the 90s, out in the, and even in the 2000s, and, and also still today, that's your van. <laughs> that's your value-added network. Okay. Uh, and then they go and deposit in the right mailbox. That partner comes down, pulls out the package of envelopes, and he starts going through them and you know, sorts them out where they need to go. Okay, good things. The data went from A to B. Check. Uh, bad things. <laughs> uh, it was batched. So therefore, you weren't necessarily getting the, the, the most prescient letter as soon as possible. Okay. Right? You had to kind of wait, right? Because if I batch everything up in the day, I, the stuff that happened at 8 a.m. versus 5 p.m. can be very impactful to my business. True. But I'm not going to know it until you know, 9 a.m. the next day for all of them. So batching has an effect. And then there's no rules about how those letters should be formatted or what information they should include. <laughs> oh, so it's and, kind of like the wild, wild west. And it is because like so many things, when you give tools, a tool to a group of people, you're going to find many different ways that they end up using it that you never expected. And that's also the case of the EDI because fundamentally EDI is like a, a small Tupperware container that you put information into that's not human readable. Like if I go and open an EDI message, I as a human can't actually understand anything that's saying because it's just a long list of, of characters and numbers where collections of characters and numbers represent different values that I've agreed upon with the recipient of my letter. Okay. But here's the interesting thing is I have to agree with every recipient of my letter exactly what that is. And not all of them are willing to accept the same thing. Right. So you also then have all these one for one relationships. And that also then starts creating data silos. So there's there's a kind of a host of cons. But back in the day when the choice was either like putting someone on a plane with binders that held all like bill of lading information <laughs> and things like that, because they actually okay. had to deliver them. Yeah. to different physical locations, EDI was a godsend, right? right? That was like all of a sudden I could transfer through a wire. Yeah. Okay. You've got to understand what EDI is. And please tell me if I'm going, if I'm long-winded here, but no, I, no, I, okay. I, <laughs> okay. APIs. Uh, mm -hmm. Oh, let's, let's, uh, as an acronym, EDI, electronic data interchange. Yes. Okay. And it's exactly what it says. It just, it, it moves back and forth electronic data, which by itself is kind of funny, but there is physical data that does exist. Um, API. API stands for Application Programmable Interface. So if if EDI is like sending mail, um, API is more like buying a, I hope this is a good analogy. It's like buying a part for your car engine. Okay. Because what APIs are designed to do is have one system make a request of another system through the internet. It doesn't always have to be through the internet, but through the internet in this case. And the request has to always have an extremely rigid structure, and the response will always have an extremely rigid structure, and they're well documented. So if I say if I say Marco to you, you're always going to yell Polo back, kind of right. thing, right? Mm -hmm. This happens real time. And what they, what APIs allow software developers to do is make an API that does one extremely small, discrete thing that it can it can do 
consistently and at scale. And what that allows your customers and partners to do is I can now like tap into that one capability and make it a part of how my overall system functions. So right. let's say you have like a logistics service provider or a cargo owner, and they want to get to a point where they're getting like um, exception notifications within five minutes of any information indicating that might be the case. Mm-hmm. Well, APIs are really the only way you can end up doing that because I need the information from one system to be coming to my other system immediately that gets processed, figures out that's that issue and sends back the issue immediately. And I need all that to happen in milliseconds. Yeah. And then it needs to like have the user interface to make my team do what they want. So this is why it's like a, a, they're the same because they both move information, but they're very fundamentally different in terms of what software your company is building. And again, coming back to our hypothesis that every company of the future is a software company. So yeah. do you want to rely on the mailman or do you want to make sure you're building it so that every company you work with will be have a... Uh, an amplifying effect on your overall digital system. Well, and give you an, a competitive advantage. I mean, I talked oh, yeah. about earlier success or failure. I mean, APIs are going to be a part of that. So let's talk about some of those benefits. You just mentioned one, but both to individual businesses, but also to the wider supply chain. Um, when I was doing the research for this interview, you have a fascinating post on your blog. Um, I'd encourage the listeners to go and check that out. And we're going to include the link um, in the show notes so you can go and check that out. But bring that to life for us today and tell us why APIs are really at the heart of digital transformation. I mean, we hear about digital transformation and supply chain all the time, but I can tell you, we very rarely talk about APIs. Um, How often do you hear people complain about data quality in this space? Well, so we do hear about it, but not as often as you would think. I almost feel like sometimes we're turning a blind eye to data. <laughs> well, the reason I ask the question is, so, I mean, we, we talk about it a lot more often. Uh, we talk about data a lot more often, but we hear issues with our prospective customers and customers saying they have with the data they were using in the past. The reason I ask is because APIs, one of the benefits of APIs in this space also is they have a natural function, natural kind of aspect to them that it forces data quality. Mm-hmm. Because again, it comes down to there's a very structured form to making the request and a very structured form to the response, which is different than EDI where everyone's agreeing on what the, the format of the letter was and like what information would be in the letter. And it's only a one for one relationship versus this thing only does, you put A and B only comes out. So it, it helps you, one, make sure you have the right structured data, helps you make sure you have complete data, and it means that everyone is receiving the same data as well, which has a huge impact on data quality. But when you have higher data quality, that means you have better data analytics. That means you have more complete and in-depth visibility so that you can create essentially RPAs or logic in the future at greater depth and detail in your organization when you need to start, you know, not just like, oh, we, we, we released one big change this year. Like, how do you get to the point where you're like, I'm releasing operational efficiency improvements on a weekly basis? Like, right. so that that's something you start to get with APIs. And of course, the real-time aspect, right? Like you, your systems will be real-time capable when you use APIs. And, uh, Here's another thing. If all software companies are going to, if all companies are going to be software companies in the future, if you aren't really working with APIs, 
it's going to be really higher, hard to hire software engineers. True. So if you want to attract the talent that's going to allow you to grow faster than the rest of your, your space, then these are also considerations like what, you know, what does my company look like for being able to satisfy my customers and being able to grow our amazing pool of talent? These yeah. are also considered. And I know I listed some things weren't necessarily in a blog post, but that's good because there's more great things there's about it in the blog, blog post. post. You that's should go right. read. Yeah. Every, everybody's <laughs> got to go and check out that blog post. And we definitely will have that in the show notes. But I think, you know, you're spot on with the talent. We talk about having um, not enough talent in supply chain. And part of that comes from the technology sector. And you make a great point. It could also be because we're using antiquated, <laughs> we're using like spreadsheets and we're using EDIs and things like that. So definitely something for everybody to think about. Now, I want to talk about your interface um, mm -hmm. because obviously when we talk about technology, we talk about integration and everybody's sort of, you know, hesitant when it comes to integration because sometimes it could take really long. Sometimes it's cumbersome and also pricing. I, I think that those are two things that you've really got going for you as a competitive advantage is your interface and the pricing. Can you talk to us a little bit about that and what that looks like at Vision? Yeah. So first, when we say the word interface, I want to clarify, don't think there's a pretty page with buttons and widgets in your, you're playing <laughs> around with an app of some sort, right? Uh, right? By the nature of what we sell, which is an API, we sell interface, application, programmable interface. Now, okay, pushing the kind of the technical terms aside, using an API, it is the most flexible and close to instant way to put the information you need in the places and systems you want it the fastest possible. Because one, you know exactly the structure of the data that's coming to you every single time. And so if you, you can then easily transform it into the structure you want, the variation, and then you just put it into the current systems you're using. Because if, you're, if your software is already on the cloud in some way, you probably also have APIs that you don't know about it in the software you're using that allows you to suck in information from other APIs. So like the, the fastest we've had a customer get into full production with our API was six hours after getting their API key. What? And it's because it was a software company, so they're used to APIs and they knew right. the feature they wanted to build and we knew here's the data. So easy documentation, one software engineer, six hours of work. I now have a basic track and trace function on, on our carrier website kind of thing, six hours. But then we actually like, we were like, that may not be a good fit for everyone, right? Like we, we expect that all these companies will have software engineers that are available in the future, et cetera, et cetera. But that's not always the case. What's great also though, is with our approach and why APIs are so flexible, there's an entire another ecosystem of technology kind of accelerators that help you get that technology edge without necessarily writing code yet. It's called no code, low code. So there's platforms like Zapier, Z-A-P-I-E-R, mm -hmm. Automate IO, Tray IO, et cetera. And there's another blog post we have where we show 60 minutes after getting your API key, you can use Zapier to connect to a Google spreadsheet, which is a free online spreadsheet tool that anytime you put a container number in the column, it'll call out to our API and automatically pull through Zapier, put 
the most recent tracking updates for that container number into your spreadsheet. And nice. that is can be shown from going from like API key and nothing set up to mm -hmm. 60 minutes later, you have a full working essentially track and trace data set being put into a spreadsheet that you can then put wherever you want. And there's other also great platforms out there that will sit on top of spreadsheets now. Like if you can make a Google Data Studio dashboard connected directly to that sheet and all of a sudden get all the aggregates and, and averages and any kind of metrics you want on all that tracking data. And that was an extra 30 minutes of work. And you don't have to be technical. You just have to know where to move the mouse and click on the screen and what to type in. Like that, Amazing. that's it. Amazing. So I'm, so there's not a lot of training yeah. from what I can hear. And then what about the pricing? Well, how do you guys we do charge that? per container you want to track? Very okay. simple. So there's no like, because it can get confusing in the tech space with I, like we, we purchase services from APIs. Like we work on Amazon web services, right? Like we understand like we incur costs whenever we make an API call. But I know my customers don't necessarily know how many API calls they plan to make, but they right. do know how many containers they want to track. So we just made it really simple and said, you're doing 10,000 containers a year. This is the price per container. You're doing 100,000 containers a year. This is the price per container. Making it simple and easy. We are bringing logistics back to basics, people. That is what we're doing with Vision. And that is what we're talking about today. And I love it. I know you guys are going to love it. Because as supply chain professionals, technology can get very, very complicated. So I don't know about you, but I'm super excited that this is really, really, really simple. So let's talk about your ideal client because you've yeah. talked about working with a variety of different industry players, right? So do you have an ideal client or is there maybe a certain size business that you're best suited to or maybe a minimum amount of containers that a company should be processing? Yeah, so... Um... I'll be a, a little transparent here. Our smallest customer tracks 100 containers per year. Okay. Our largest tracks 2 million. Okay. It's the exact same product. <laughs> That's awesome. And one is a software company and the other is a cargo owner at, at opposite ends of the spectrums. And right. this is, I mean, it's, it's been good for us because what we focused on was a, a common denominator problem. Like if you work in international logistics and any kind of containerized freight, this is the data set you fundamentally need to have for your business to operate. Like I need to know a booking was placed and then I need to track the shipment and I need to tell the customer that something went wrong before they ask me. Right. Right. Because <laughs> well, you, you know, a certain percentage of things, things will go wrong. That's called management by exception, right? The yeah, key here, and especially, especially for, <laughs> especially for our customers in like the logistics services space, like, it's painful to be in a market where it's like it's run by price now, right? Like mm -hmm. what forwarder got capacity and can sell it to me and can sell it to me at the best price. They're all looking for some way to differentiate. And we've been very helpful in that regard because we make it so that you have a complete data set for being able to answer the questions before the customers ask. And it allows you to have a, a extremely detailed track and trace system immediately uh, in whatever systems you're using. Yeah. So that's, so that's really 
Highly and you're meeting, sorry, you're meeting them where they are. Yeah. And that's something that I've talked about in technology for so, so long. Well, now we're coming to one of my favorite questions because we know that you have 99.9% uptime performance rate and you can track 97% of ocean shipments. This is all I learned while I was doing my research. And those stats are so very, very impressive. So I just know that means you're going to have some pretty happy customers. So pay <laughs> Give me a picture of how you've helped them out. What was their challenge? What was the impact of your solution? And one more value I would add to that. We, we've standardized the data across all of the major carriers and we provide more than 50 standardized events. What? Like you, you, people are usually like, they're hoping they get eight events pretty right. consistently. Like, yeah. No, no, like the, that's not good enough. You actually need to try and provide all of the events that actually happened. Right. <laughs> And you need to do it in a standardized way and standardized across all the carriers. So like we have our vision right. events that we manage a live mapping to all carriers all the time. But, um, but what was your question? How do we make that happen? How, how do we do 99% yeah. uptime and 97% coverage? Well, well, paint me a picture. So talk to me about a happy customer. What was the challenge that they came to you with? What, what did you do for them and what was the impact of the solution to their business? Okay. Here, um, first example, cargo owner. Cargo owner with a, a, a decent number of containers per year. So we're talking about uh, five figures worth of containers per year, right? Okay. Decent size. And um, they're a an industrial engine manager, manufacturer. They came to us and said, I'm scrambling. I'm trying to get some kind of basic visibility system up and live in the next three to six months. But I need in, uh, data now. What can you do for us? We sent them that blog post that showed 60 minutes API key to Google spreadsheets being populated. They were like, I need that. I need it now. They signed same day and wow. they had it live and operating the next day. Nice. So that that's one example. Another he, example of uh, a said, supply sorry. chain control. What, go ahead. Yeah. He said three to six months and you were like, I could do this by tomorrow. Yeah, and, and we're <laughs> gonna we're gonna be the data provider of the tool they buy and try to integrate and implement in three awesome. to six months. Because also awesome. like that's also a challenge because a lot of these things you buy off the shelf, they don't always come with the data. Right. Right. <laughs> so what was what was that second one? The second one is software company. So they were a supply chain control tower company. And what was helpful for them was they had mostly been focusing on air and road. Okay. Uh, we worked with them and we allowed them to actually now have an ocean option, awesome. which was very meaningful for the customers because what we're seeing in both the software company space and actually even probably more so than in the freight forwarding logistics service provider space, everyone's trying to make that single pane of glass mm -hmm. where I can go into one system and I can see everything about my supply chain. But that's challenging because, you know, a lot of these cargo owners might work with multiple forwarders and each right. of the forwarders has software, but you can't see one forwarder shipping in the other forwarder's software. Mm -hmm. And so that means all forwarders now are trying to make a single pane of glass. And we work with actually three of the top 10 global forwarders providing data today that helps them with this problem because now they're the software side of their business can sell their software and you can track not only what you booked with them, but you can track everything you booked with all of your other forwarders in a that's single awesome. system. So we that's a problem we solved for an LSP, 
For that software company, we allowed them to expand to Ocean. For the cargo owner, we got them visibility stood up in 24 hours. Yeah. And you're adding revenue streams left, right, and center for companies. I mean, what more could they really be asking for? So now I want to focus on the future. What is the future for vision? Walk us <laughs> through that. What's coming up? What, what do you have in the pipeline? Tell us about what's happening at vision. So we, we have some exciting things coming up with data set expansion. So what I'm going to share today is just new hot capabilities to our current product. I do, I can tell you, we do have one new product that we're looking to release next year that we think is going to be pretty immensely impactful. And it's kind of a data lake oriented product. But today our tracking API, we can give you door to door events today. What we're doing is we're trying to tap into even more data sources than we do today. And we're also trying to start getting more extended or advanced visibility into the sources we already have as well. So like today we connect to 32 different major ocean carriers. We connect to several ports and terminals. We're connected with drayage companies, rail companies that like we're pulling this data. But from the different data sources that are out there, some are like you need a direct connection with them. Some are right. you know, publicly on the internet. Some, you know, you have to build yourself in some way. So we're really excited to be bringing out advanced terminal visibility. We're really excited to be bringing out three new features that are all driven by real-time AIS vessel tracking. That's going to really help you in understanding that handoff moment between boat to terminal, to right. rail, to truck, to drayage, yeah. drayage truck. Yeah, yeah. And um, we have some exciting drayage data partnerships mm. that we'll be announcing as well. So um, that will really help in uh, really getting the most detailed vision of door to door for your shipment. I love that. And everybody is going to run to your website now. And that is V-I-Z or Z-I-O-N-A-P-I.com. And I just love this part of the industry. I mean, I honestly think I could talk about it all day with you, Kyle. So it's been a real joy to share it with all of you listeners as well. What you're doing at Vision is really impressive. I mean, you've created an incredible solution in a relatively short space of time. And you're continuing to grow it and hone it. And you're making such a difference already when it comes to ocean shipments. So I'm so excited to see what comes next because I know you're going to continue to go from strength to strength. So a big thank you to the team at Vision and for Kyle for joining us today. Um, so thank you all for being here. And thank you, Kyle. Thank you so much. Always happy to talk supply chain. This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder of Border Buddy, has to say. More and more companies are looking to expand their reach into global markets, but most don't know where to start or don't have the time to figure it out. Border Buddy sees the struggle and has found a way for you to integrate customs into your e-commerce site, allowing you peace of mind when selling to customers in other countries. Your customers will know exactly how much the costs are to import their order from you to their door in real time. And just imagine what that will do for your business and your sales. Visit us and sign up for 10% off your first clearance at borderbuddy.com slash let's talk supply chain. 
If you would like to hear more, we have plenty more podcasts for you featuring the best and brightest in the industry. Head over to letstalksupplychain.com forward slash podcast to check out the latest. Plus, remember guys, we have a category filter. And so if you're looking for a solution to your supply chain challenge, they have most likely been on this show. So go to the category filter and go and find that solution. And remember to come back next week for this month's episode of our Woman in Supply Chain series, where we'll be talking to Tara St. James. Tara has worked in the fashion industry for over 20 years and is now putting all of that incredible experience to use in sustainable design strategy and as a responsible supply chain consultant. Tara is a really inspirational and forward-thinking woman, so you do not want to miss this episode. If you enjoy our podcasts, there are a few ways to support the show. You can follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We are also over on TikTok and on Clubhouse. You can subscribe to our newsletter over at letstalksupplychain.com so you keep up to date with all of the latest that is going on over here. Plus, you can subscribe to Let's Talk Supply Chain on YouTube. You can also find some really cool merch and purchase our exclusive supply chain dictionary in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash shop. And remember, we would love to hear from you and we want to feature you on an episode. So go over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.